Hey everyone, this is Fabrice. Welcome back to a weekly edition of Blind Sanity. We almost couldn't make it today. Anchor has some little issues with their um, software with the latest um, upgrade or update on my iPhone. Well, anyway, we're back. There's a way around. Um, so, what a week it was. Wow, what a week. Um, Monday and Tuesday were uh, actually two days that were, for me, uh, eye-opening. Lot of things to learn, lot of things to talk about and think about, not only in the field of um, retinal implant, but in uh, a lot of other fields related to blindness. A lot of technical um, stuff were described and explained to us, and um, uh, there's a lot of things to take uh, to take in. Um, and this is what I w- I'm going to try to do over the next, uh, I would say, probably three or four episodes. Uh, we're going to go back to that uh, co-sponsored. Um, Work, uh, workshop uh, from uh, Monday and Tuesday. It was sponsored by both the FDA and the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to skip the news section and the announcement uh, or the mail and comment section. We're going to go straight for uh, what we learn during this um, um, retinal implant uh, workshop. Uh, the reason why I wanted to do that is that it's, although the technology is not really that great, um, once you look at it, uh, deeply or deeper, um, it's actually pretty good at um, explaining a lot of things that uh, might be useful for us when we do our own research or uh, a lot of things that could actually help us having a, a healthier, more informative discussion with your um, healthcare specialist or your eye doctor. Uh, there's a lot of things in there that I learned I never and I didn't know and make totally sense now uh, that now that I know about that. So the way the uh, workshop was organized was actually in session. There were seven sessions uh, spread over two days and each session has a theme. Um, what I want to do over the next few weeks, uh, probably like I said, three or four weeks, is go uh, into a deep dive by session. Go from session one to session two, three, four, etc. until seven or eight. I think there's seven uh, sessions. Um, some of them are going to be very short. Uh, I'm talking primarily, uh, I would say session five and six and seven, uh, since they were very regulatory um, or regulation uh, oriented and how to apply for um, funding for the FDA or how to apply for FDA approval or things like that. Things like that are not that, that useful for us. Um, but and, and there will be some more um uh, I would say bigger in duration, like session one and session two, where we uh, talk about terminology and we talk about technologies and um, uh, and things like that. So um, this is what's going to happen. A deep dive uh, today is going to probably be focused just on session one. There's so many things to talk about. Uh, so let's get going. Let's take a quick break and uh, I'm, I'll be back in a few seconds. So session one started with the FDA uh, talking a lot about uh, what it considered uh, to be a a retinal implant, uh, the definition of it and a bunch of uh, other definitions and uh, rules uh, for the remaining two days. Uh, First, it defined the retinal implant as uh, an electrode or an instrument that is installed in your retina or the surface of the retina or around your retina or in a part of your brain called the cortex. It is used for people with profound or worse um, vision acuity loss, 
Uh, that basically means that anything that is below 20 and uh, 2400, including 2400, you'll see later that uh, they talk about 2600 or things that is even worse than that. So for the FDA, the profound um, vision loss is considered to be 2400. Compare that with your number and you'll see where you stand. Um, they also define, of course, the, um, the vision loss uh, as a rare disease, uh, no matter what it is, macular um, uh, issues or uh, RP. And uh, any uh, product that is trying to tackle a rare um, uh, disease or rare disorder is called an orphan product, orphan, like an orphanage, often. Uh, the problem with an orphan product is that it's usually done, uh, developed by universities and, and small startups, which have um, not that much uh, capabilities, not a lot of resources, sometimes uh, enough, just enough money to get things going, but uh, not much more than that. Uh, and that is actually the problem, um, since the FDA requires those instruments to be followed, not only before um, and during development, but also during installation, of course, and after installation to figure out how long they last, if they are uh, dangerous for people wearing them on the long term or things like that, how long they last, um, and if they are beneficial for people uh, who actually decided to, um, well, to make the jump and get some retinal implant. And because all this takes a lot of time, a lot of resources and a lot of money, usually often uh, products are very difficult to, um, well, to uh, get through or to go through uh, FDA approval. The other problem, of course, is that, as you'll see a little bit later, the FDA approval process uh, is very lengthy and very difficult to understand. There's a lot of regulations, a lot of rules and a lot of requirements, uh, like I said, before, during uh, installation and after installation, and everything uh, costs a lot of money and those uh, university and startup do not have the resource to do this. For the moment, the FDA approved only one retinal implant from a company called Second Sight, the Argus series. Uh, you all probably heard about that. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, there were some pretty amazing videos um, a, a while back showing that what the Argus uh, can do. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, it was approved in 2013, and that was the last um, implant retinal implant that was approved by the FDA. The whole idea of the workshop is to help universities and um, um, startups to understand the regulation, understand what needs to be done, and for a bigger name, um, is a big research um, and development company or a bigger name in the pharmaceutical or um, medical field to understand the need of uh, the startups and uh, how they can all work together for the better benefits of all of us who needs a retinal implant. 2013 is now 10 years ago. You can only imagine that in 10 years, a lot of things has been done, but because we're talking about often uh, products, and because we're talking about small company dealing with it, it's very difficult for them to go and uh, understand and to finance the uh, all efforts to go through FDA approval. So that was the first, um, very interesting actually, part of uh, the first session of that um, workshop. A lot about definition and a lot about struggles. So let's uh, take a quick break and let's move on to the second uh, presentation. That one is going to talk directly about retinal implant.
All right, so after this uh, quick introduction and definition thing, uh, we talked uh, actually about the retinal implant itself and how it would work um, in a general overview. It was a little bit more technical than I would have loved, but uh, it was still very interesting. First, the big shocker, and I mentioned that uh, on Twitter when I heard about it, they pulled uh, people um, in the US and they asked what could be the worst condition you could have, and blindness came at number one. Cancer and Alzheimer came at number two and number three. So yes, uh, you can be um, shocked uh, to uh, to hear this. Uh, people actually think that a disease that can actually kill you, like cancer or Alzheimer, is actually less bad. I would say better than uh, blindness. That you know won't kill you. It would you know annoy the, the the heck out of you and will have to change your lifestyle a lot. It's an inconvenience more than anything else but it is still worse than cancer, according to that poll. It was shocking to me at the beginning, and then I started to realize um, that it's not, it shouldn't be that shocking, considering how people realized, uh, people react when they understand that I'm losing my vision. It looks like this is the end of the world for them, uh, even though for me, it's not completely the end of it. So I, even though that the poll, the, the result of that poll were... Uh, surprising. It's still not that surprising for somebody actually living with blindness. Anyhow, after that, we talked uh, about uh, the uh, actual way that uh, your eye works. I'm not going to go into details. Most of us know that the main organ here is the uh, retina. That is the uh, way your eye gets the information, then transmit it to the brain in the cortex area of your brain through uh, optical nerve and things like that. This is basic information that everybody knows. We also talk... <coughs> Sorry, we also talked about uh, the central vision that usually uh, make things clear um, when you focus on it, and then the peripheral vision that makes things a little bit more, I would say, fizzy. <coughs> Sorry for that. A little bit, a little bit more fizzy. Uh, and they also made a distinction between um, um, uh, RP and uh, other uh, uh, disease. Uh, with regard to what uh, it um, gets or what what effect it has on the people who uh, on the patient who have it, uh, all this we all know about it. We all live with it. We're pretty much uh, well aware of what a glaucoma is. We know what RP is. We know what macular degeneration is, uh, is and things like that. So I'm not going to go uh, into it. The interesting things was that uh, for a retinal implant purpose. Uh, the uh, medical field has to separate vision loss into three fields. Uh, the very early stage, the middle stage, and the end stage. The very early stage, which is basically at birth when you are diagnosed and your, your vision is actually uh, pretty good, 20-20 or uh, around it, um, you are diagnosed with a disease like, for example, RP. And at this stage, the whole idea is uh, to turn to genetics to help you prevent uh, loss of uh, vision to help you maintain that perfect eyesight that you're born with or that you have at the time uh, of uh, your diagnosis. There is no retinal implant uh, consideration at this stage. Then you have the middle stage where uh, you pretty much, um, well, I say midway through your uh, low vision journey, which means that um, you are not at 2400 yet, but your vision is not as uh, great as 2020 uh, uh, earlier. 
in that stage, we are more looking at, um, we are looking more to um, slow down the progress of the disease rather than anything else. Genetics uh, may still have a role in there in reprogramming some uh, of your DNA uh, uh, at the surface of your retina in order, in order to keep what is left, um, um, you know, working well. And um, for RP, for example, that will definitely be to prevent the cone and the sticks to, to die off uh, little by little. There's also some medicine or um, I would say dietary complement or dietary supplement uh, research that can help you um, slow down the progression of the disease. But at this stage, we're not looking at a restoration of your eyesight back to 2020. We are just hoping that your um, vision acuity will stay where it is uh, at the time uh, where you start your treatment. And then there is the third stage, the late stage or the end stage um, part of your vision loss, where you are basically below 2400. Again, that is a number that is, uh, was mentioned in the previous segment by the FDA. So you're supposed to be uh, profoundly, um, uh, you're supposed to be in the profoundly low vision uh, side of the spectrum or completely blind. At that stage, genetic is not considered the right uh, way to try to restore some vision for you. Uh, retinal implant has more chance uh, to uh, to get you there. We are not talking here about restoring your vision back to 2020. We're not even uh, thinking about restoring your vision back to 2100. We're just trying to uh, get you some kind of help for your daily uh, life. Um, maybe, uh, you know, help you read, recognize faces or things like that. So we're not uh, at this stage, looking for a complete restoration, we're just looking at an improvement of your vision at that late stage of um, your um, late, late stage of um, low vision. So, um, this is actually interesting because you know when uh, I first heard about the works uh, workshop, I heard you know retinal implant for vision restoration. For me, restoration is you know, back to where it was supposed to be originally. It's not much more restoration as it is improvement uh, at this stage. Uh, and we'll talk about what kind of improvement we're talking about um, um, with a few examples uh, later on. But uh, this was basically uh, set up to, um, you know, give us some expectation of what we can expect, um, of what we can um, um, get out of a retinal implant. This is not gonna, going to um, restore your vision again back to 2020. It is just going to give you a little bit more info about what you have right now uh, if you are at that late stage of your disease or if you are completely blind. So that was, uh, like I say, a little um, doom and gloom, um, but it was a necessary um, introduction uh, to the day so that we know what to expect. Uh, that's it for now. Let's move on to the next section. Now let's look at uh, patient expectation and uh, the disconnect between what we would like to have compared to what the uh, industry is working on. The industry is thinking that uh, the, more important, the most important thing for us is uh, character recognition and reading. And I understand that it is, this is also the most important thing for people like us, but we do have tools for that. We have Braille, 
in some cases, we also have a lot of technology that allow it to read things for us, audiobooks, or even your magnification app on your uh, iPhone or your Android phone. So we have way to go around. Um, of course, you know, when you have technology that read it to you, that doesn't make you literate. Uh, and if you want to work on literacy, you probably need Braille. But if you can learn Braille, you're pretty much set uh, to um, read and write pretty much anything and everything you, uh, you, you want or you need. I wouldn't think that uh, character recognition is the most important thing for us as blind person, probably surely on the top five, but probably not on the top of it. What's interesting is that for patients, the most important thing is shape recognition, face recognition and emotion recognition. And that is not necessarily something that the industry is working on. Um, the reason behind it uh, was kind of alluded. It was not, you know, clearly said, but it was probably related to the amount of information that is required for your eye to recognize a face, a shape or an emotion compared to the amount of um, information that is required for your brain or your eye to recognize a character. Um, they did mention a lot about a lot of things about resolution, a little bit like the resolution of your screen. Uh, in order for your eye to recognize a character, they have determined that uh, there is a minimum resolution of 300 pixels that is required. Uh, it's between 300 and 600. Anything above 600 will make things very easy for you to recognize character. And uh, anything between 300 and 600 is basically a gradient from very easy to uh, difficult. And anything below 300 is not good enough for you to recognize a character or word or have any kind of useful um, uh, information uh, that would allow you to read or recognize anything that is written. How they did this, they basically uh, use people with good eyesight and they uh, put them in front of a screen, either a regular computer screen or a VR uh, headset, and they degraded the signal uh, of a text they could read on their screen at high resolution and then decreased little by little uh, the resolution until it was becoming difficult and or um, uh, hard to read. And they discovered that anything below 300 pixels uh, is uh, makes things impossible to read and anything above uh, 600 uh, make it uh, very easy to read. So the target for the implant, um, uh, for the eye implant in order to get, um, you know, a, an improvement to your vision to the point where you're able to read, uh, the target would be to find a way to, uh, to get between 300 and 600 pixels, which means that many implant in a very small area that is your retina uh, you have a lot of limitation here. First, you don't have a lot of space. And then we're talking about electrodes. They have, uh, they have a dimension and you cannot go um, as small as you, uh, you would want. So it is a reachable uh, goal, 300 to 600 pixels, according to what I'm hearing, but it is very challenging. The second thing they talked about is that resolution is not the only thing that is important. And all of us with low vision already know that the contrast and grayscale is also as important as resolution. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little later, but they did make a study again with uh, people with good eyesight, looking at screen or with a VR headset, and they play with grayscale to see um, uh, if grayscale helps your vision. They discovered that yes, it does. 
So the whole idea is to try to get the uh, startup or the universities working on um, retinal implant to think not only about resolution, but also in terms of grayscale. No uh, mention about face recognition. As I said, uh, it could require a lot more pixel uh, to recognize uh, facial um, attribute or emotions. Um, sometimes they're very subtle, as you may uh, you may know, and I'm not entirely sure that anything between 300 and 600 uh, pixel um, would be enough for you to recognize someone's face or someone in motion. That was uh, pretty much it for uh, the first uh, session of that um, uh, workshop. Uh, like I said, a lot of thing, a lot of thing to consider, uh, and it set up. Um, uh, that was a nice base to um, set up expectation for people who uh, think that uh, retinal implant is the best thing on the world in the world. It's definitely not. Uh, there's a lot of challenges here. We'll talk about that uh, um, those challenges a little later. But as long as you have expectation, as you set a reasonable expectation, uh, it is actually a pretty good um, way to uh, restore a little bit of your vision and get some usefulness out of it. We're going to take a quick break and then summarize very fast uh, that first session. Um, uh, that's it. Let's take a quick break. Okay, so here we go with our first session. A lot of information that I knew, some that I didn't know, a lot of shocker that Paul still surprised me a lot. Um, I um, what, what I like with that first session is that, it, like I said, it set the expectation um, and they're pretty low, to be honest. 300 to uh, 600 pixel is very low, but uh, they've been talking about a few uh, research team around the world that is trying to work on that resolution issue and they've been having uh, some kind of mixed results. For example, the uh, Argus series from Second Sight um, was capable of having pretty good results with only uh, a few, uh, a, a little bit more than a dozen electrodes uh, compared to another technology, I believe, in Germany that implanted 12 to 1600 electrodes into a single retina. And they discovered that their resolution was um, equal, uh, if not worse, than the one for uh, with 16 uh, electrodes. Apparently, it has something to do with interferences and uh, things like that. It's very uh, complicated at this stage, but it does look like it's not as simple as just implanting some electrode in your retina and voila, this is not how it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. There's a lot of things uh, to be considered here. They talk a lot about different technology like wired electrode, which I believe will have to um, uh, somehow get uh, uh, connected to a system outside of the uh, the eye and um, wireless uh, technology. Basically, those electrodes would communicate with a camera mounted on a pair of glasses that you would wear uh, when you uh, switch those implants on in order to see. They also talk about training. There's apparently a lot of training required uh, for you to recognize what those electrodes are showing you. Um, it's particularly uh, the case when you are, the, the pixel is low. You need a, a lot of training to uh, recognize characters when the resolution is uh, low compared to 
just a, a, a couple of uh, training session when the resolution is high. There's a lot of computer uh, algorithm uh, in use there in order for, um, well, to give you some help and uh, uh, in recognizing what you're looking at. It doesn't look like it's as straightforward as just opening your eyes and start reading. There's a lot, a lot of education and rehabilitation once you get those retinal implant uh, implanted in your retina. That's it for now. We're going to take um, a, a, a week break. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about. Next, uh, next time, we're going to talk about uh, the actual result and uh, see what you can see and how you can function with your retinal implant in your eyes. Uh, we also talk about uh, what was done in the past, why it was abandoned, um, why um, the retinal implant, the field of retinal implant is so slow. And uh, that's it. So um, I hope you learn uh, a lot um, in that episode. I hope that even though you're not considering a retinal implant uh, to be a solution for you, that you actually know a little bit more uh, about that technology will help you um, understand, you know, all the technology that you would be interested in. Uh, for now, uh, we're going to take a break, like I said, and I'll see you next week for part two of that workshop. Bye-bye. Thank you.